What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. In this episode, I am here with my NFL wildcard round preview and predictions for the AFC. We're going to be talking about all of the AFC wildcard round matchups. We have the Raiders taking on the Bengals, Patriots, Bills, and the Pittsburgh Steelers making a trip up to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. You can follow my Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. The first matchup that we have to talk about, we have the 10-7 Las Vegas Raiders taking on the 10-7 Cincinnati Bengals. Now, every year in the postseason, there are always a couple of teams that we look at and we kind of have shocked faces when we see some of these teams pop up because you never would have thought that the Raiders and the Bengals would be in the playoffs because not too many people had a lot of high preseason expectations for both Las Vegas and Cincinnati coming into this season. Then you look at the Raiders, okay? They get out to a fast start and then all of a sudden it seems like What could go wrong went wrong, okay? John Gruden steps down. We already know what went behind that. Henry Ruggs had a whole tragic incident with him. Then you have some more off-the-field issues. Like, it's just really wild to me to see the Las Vegas Raiders in the playoffs like this team just overcame so much not just off the field but on the field there was a point during this year where the Raiders got ice cold and then they started to get hot over the month of December they have wins against the Cleveland Browns the Broncos the Colts the Chargers and let me remind you that those are four really tough games because at the time that the Raiders were playing the Browns the Broncos the Colts and the Chargers all of these teams were in the hunt for one of the final remaining playoff spots in the AFC so I'm just really surprised that the Raiders are in the playoffs because of everything that has went on this season. And then you look at the fact that they're doing this with an interim head coach. Like if the Raiders win a playoff game, I would heavily consider making this guy the full-time head coach moving forward. And I know his name is Rich. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I still don't know how to pronounce it. And I know how you guys get down in the comment section. But you look at Cincinnati on the other hand, okay? Like, we knew that Cincinnati was going to be a really solid football team. Did we know that this was going to be a playoff caliber football team? Some people had them getting in the playoffs. Some people didn't. But we knew that this offense was going to be fun to watch. And it has been really fun to watch. Because you look at the strength of Cincinnati. It's definitely with their wide receivers. This is probably the best wide receiver in core in all of the NFL. Okay, you have Jamar Chase who pretty much has had the greatest rookie season ever for a rookie wide receiver. And that has already pretty much eclipsed Justin Jefferson's great rookie season that he had last year. So he has already submitted himself as one of the best wide receivers in the league. Okay, I had a lot of my friends pushing back on this, talking about some Jamar Chase. You think Jamar Chase is a top 10 wide receiver, JT? He just got in the league. I said, listen... I don't need two, three years for me to figure out where Jamar Chase ranks amongst some of the best wide receivers in the league. He's a top 10 wide receiver, okay? Then, if having him wasn't already enough, you got T. Higgins. T. Higgins has also had a really good season. Then you got Tyler Boyd, one of the more underrated wide receivers in all of the NFL. So this is a very loaded group of wide receivers. And on top of that, you look at the Bengals offense led by quarterback Joe Burrow that is really good at getting big chunk plays. Like the Bengals could be in a third and 15 and still convert. They could be in second and 21 and still move the chains because these wide receivers are really fantastic, especially when it comes to what 
what they do after the catch. We have saw, well, we've seen so many times um, Jamar Chase being able to make things happen with the ball in his hands. A lot of people just think about the great, fantastic one-on-one balls that he catches or the great 50-50 balls that he catches, but nobody thinks about how good he is after the catch as well. Then you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, you have a phenomenal group of wide receivers who are good at making things happen after the catch. And on top of that, the Bengals in my opinion, are at their best in third and long situations or third and medium situations. I don't know how they're able to convert, but they do a very good job at getting the ball to these wide receivers. You don't have to throw the ball 30 yards downfield. Cincinnati can beat you throwing the ball 30, 50 yards downfield, or they could beat you just throwing a three-yard slant, and one of their wide receivers could end up taking it the distance. So you look at Las Vegas, It gets really annoying when you have a team put in situations that, you know, look like you should be getting off the field and somehow they find a way to convert. That's the Cincinnati Bengals team. Now, Bengals fans know that they don't have a good offensive line. Joe Burrow has been one of, if not the most sacked quarterback in the league this year. He's been sacked 51 times. And you may ask yourself, JT, How can a team that has an offensive line that has allowed their quarterback to get hit 51 times, how have they found their way to sneak into the playoffs? Well, this Bengals team is just so good offensively that they could lose 15 yards on first down, be put in a second and 25 situation, and still convert just because how good and how dynamic this receiving core is. But... You have to find ways if you're Las Vegas. First of all, you got to make sure that you wrap up. On top of that, you have to find ways that when you put Cincinnati in these situations, these third and long, second and long situations where you know that they're going to throw the football and you know that they're going to try to push the football downfield, you got to find a way to make sure that Joe Burrow doesn't have enough time to allow those deep routes to develop, okay? Because it doesn't really matter if you get them in a third and long situation if they're still converting on third down. So for the Las Vegas Raiders, you need a big game out of Max Crosby and you need a big game out of Yankin Gakwe. Yankin Gakwe has been really underrated this year. Max Crosby is a pro bowler and Yankin Gakwe has 10 sacks and he's not a pro bowler. So you look at how good this pass rushing tandem is, it's going to be really important that they do not allow these Cincinnati wide receivers to get time to run these deep routes downfield because that's where a lot of the problems start to happen. So you have to make sure that Joe Burrow doesn't have time to throw these deep passing routes down the field a lot of Bengals fans keep saying oh all we got to do is dink and dump our way down the field that's not how football works there are going to come times where you're going to be put in situations where you're going to have to throw the football downfield and you're going to have to make sure that your quarterback has enough time to do so so there are going to be a good amount of opportunities for the Raiders in this game to have a legitimate shot at getting Joe Burrow down to the ground because there's going to be several times during this game when Cincinnati tries to throw the football downfield and this offensive line may not hold up just because how good the tandem of Crosby and Ngakwe are. On top of that, will the Raiders continue to ride the hot streak of running back Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs had a phenomenal game against the Chargers last week in the win-to-go-home affair. 26 carries, 132 rushing yards, 5.1 yards per attempt, and they touchdown. This offense is at its best when Josh Jacobs gets going. And you look at the fact that the Raiders don't really have, you know, the most dangerous receiving core. You have Darren Waller, who still is coming back from his injury. He played last week, but, you know, that was his first game back since week 12. So the run game is going to be really important for the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's going to be a big key for the Raiders when it comes to them having success on third down because third down hasn't really been the strong suit of the Raiders offense all year. And the reason for that has been because they haven't really been all that great running the football. And when they have that run game going and they have Josh Jacobs running downfield, 
field that sets this team up in more third and manageable situations. And when you're going against a team like Cincinnati that has a very good group of pass rushers, you got Larry... Onkinjobi, who has seven sacks, okay? You have Sam Hubbard, seven and a half sacks. You got Trey Hendrickson, who is top five in the NFL in sacks at 14 and a half. So for the Raiders, you don't want to be put in any situations that show Cincinnati defensively that you have to throw the football to convert. But on top of that, you look at Josh Jacobs and what he brings when he's able to run downhill. On top of that, he's going to help keep your defense off the field and keep the Bengals defense on the field. So you can also win that time of possession battle. That could also be another key area that can help you win this game. However, the Bengals run defense has been really good for all season. They're like top five when it comes to rushing yards per game allowed. They don't really allow a lot. So for Las Vegas, are you capable of being able to throw the football to win this game if it comes down to it? Yes, you can. Derek Carr has been really solid all year. In my opinion, you probably could say that he has been the most underrated quarterback this year because he doesn't have the greatest group of wide receivers. Offensive line is okay. The run game hasn't really been there for him for the duration of the year. So Derek Carr has had a pretty solid campaign. And you think about all the scrutiny that he gets in the offseason and how a lot of fans want to move on from him from a year-to-year basis. I think that the regular season that he has put forward so far may be the best season that he's had during his pro career because he's doing this with not really a lot of talent around him. And on top of that, he's really good in big critical moments in games. He's really good in third and long situations when it seems like the Raiders need a big third down conversion to move the chains. Derek Carr always finds a way to deliver. He's also really good in big situations in the fourth quarter when it involves trying to keep the game alive. So Derek Carr, although the stats may not show how good he is, he's been very good and very consistent this year. Now, he has has had his fair share of turnovers and whatnot but overall if you're a Raiders fan and the run game isn't able to get going you feel really confident about your ability to throw the football on Cincinnati now Cincinnati secondary is really good okay there's their secondary isn't bad however this is a Cincinnati team that is prone to get into shootouts and I think that this probably could be the game that could lean into shootout territory now Las Vegas however I don't really think they will want to get in the shootout Las Vegas prefers to keep the game kind of to moderate scoring a one possession game going into the last three to four minutes that's where the Raiders want to beat you the Raiders want to get you into the fourth quarter they want to make it a one possession game with three two minutes left and that's where they play their best football however this is also a defense that doesn't allow a lot of big plays in the passing game they're six in the NFL and yards per pass allowing 6.3 so that's going to be really key that a really key area that you should be looking at if you're a Raiders or a Bengals fan because you don't want Cincinnati going for, you know, eight, nine yards a pop because they're more than capable of being able to do that. You have to make sure that you can keep Cincinnati from getting into these situations where they're able to have these big plays, whether that's throwing the football or being able to make something happen with the wide receivers having the ball in their hands. So for Las Vegas, tackling has to be really big. And on top of that, you don't really have to be super aggressive defensively. I don't think that the Las Vegas Raiders need to throw any exotic blitzes or anything crazy at Cincinnati to get pressure. I think all they really just need to do is is rush and Gawkway and Crosby off the edge, and that really should be enough. So then you should be able, without you having to send pressure, the manufacturer on Joe Burrow, all you got to do is make sure that you're able to drop enough guys who are able to make sure that they can wrap these receivers receivers up as soon as they get done catching the football and make sure that you can dedicate all of your resources to making sure that Cincinnati doesn't beat you over the top and that they're not going to beat you with big plays so the team I'm going to take to win this game I'm going to take 
the Cincinnati Bengals. The reason why I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals is because the Bengals have one of the best run defenses in the league. If they're able to slow down that rushing attack for the Raiders, this Raiders offense struggles. And the Raiders offense has struggled a lot during the regular season. And the run game hasn't really been there all that year. It's not the fact that they can't run the football. It's more the fact that they just choose to run the football. Well, choose to get away from running the football, which is why they throw the ball and find themselves in a lot of third and long situations. And you look at this Bengals defense, this is a really good run defense. So for Las Vegas, even if they come out and try to run the football the way they did last week against the Los Angeles Chargers, I don't really think they're going to have a great day on the ground. So therefore, this is going to be a game where they're going to have to throw the ball. And you look at the pass rushers that the Bengals have with Henderson, Joby, and Sam Hubbard there. I just don't really know if the Raiders would be able to sustain a long uh, game where they're not going to have success running the football. And I think that this is a game that I probably will side with Cincinnati. That's why I have to take them to win this game. I also don't really think that the Raiders are really built to get into a big high scoring affair. I know you can be like, well, JT, we went toe to toe with the Los Angeles Chargers, but I think the more you ask Derek Carr to throw the football with the fact that the run game probably won't be there with how good the run defense has been for Cincinnati, that's going to be a game where you just have to overly rely on Derek Carr. And I don't really think the Raiders are going to be able to win this game without having some semblance of a run game. That's why I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. 27 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction. I'm taking the Bengals. We have the Buffalo Bills hosting the 10 and 7 New England Patriots. This game is going to be played this Saturday with a 8:15 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on CBS. The Bills currently are a four and a half point favorite going into this game. Now these two teams have already matched up twice. The Bills won the last matchup 33-24. The Patriots won the first matchup on Monday Night Football. And you look at New England. New England has gone kind of cold over the last month or so, okay? They've lost three out of their last four games. They've lost to the Dolphins, the Bills, the Colts. The only win during this four-game stretch has come to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have a really good defense, okay? So does New England. These are two of the best defenses when it comes to points per game allowed. They have two really good pass defenses. They're both one and two against the pass. And on top of that, they're also really good in third down situations and inside the red zone. So it's really hard to too much do anything against the defenses of the Bills and the Patriots. However, this game is going to come down to what is Mac Jones going to do against the defense of the Buffalo Bills? Because for Josh Allen, okay, you can count on him to have a good game. Mac Jones, you don't really know because Mac Jones' performances have kind of been a little bit up and down over the last month and a half. And if the Patriots are going to have a chance at winning this thing, they're going to have to make sure that they're able to help out their young rookie quarterback in making his first ever playoff start and making sure that they're able to have that running game going with Rahamdre Stevenson, Bolden, Damian Harris. You got to make sure that you have those running backs, those freight trains that you got trucking because if the run game isn't there for New England and Mac Jones has to throw the football 40 to 50 times to win this game that's a recipe for disaster because that's not really the kind of team that the New England Patriots have been this year the Patriots are a team that's at their best when they're running the football and then Mac Jones throwing the football is more of a you know novelty versus being a necessity when Mac Jones having success through the air becomes a necessity that's where the Patriots can start to find themselves getting into trouble on top of that the Patriots aren't really a team that's built to come from behind 
where they need to score quickly. So if you're a Bills fan and you find yourselves up by two possessions going into the fourth quarter, you have to be feeling really, really good about your chances of being able to win the game. On top of that, this is a Bills defense that is really good at forcing mistakes. And you look at Josh Allen, you know that you can trust him with the ball in his hands in certain areas of this game. When it comes down to certain third and short situations or fourth and, you know, three situations, you know, if New England's put in situations where they have the opportunity to put the ball in Mac Jones' hands, are they going to do it, you know? Buffalo knows what's coming. They know that Buffalo, they know that the Patriots want to run the football down their throat. So what's going to happen when it comes down to a third and three and you have to decide between throwing the football and move the chains and keeping the defense off balance or running the football with Buffalo knowing that it's coming? What if you're put down in a fourth down situation where it's fourth and two, you can either opt to go for it and trust Mac Jones, or you can just decide to take your three points and live to fight another drive. So it's going to be really interesting seeing how much Bill Belichick trusts Mac Jones in this playoff game, because in the playoffs, it's a lot of strategy, but there are also moments where you have to need your quarterback to step up in big spots, okay? In the playoffs, you're not going to have a lot of success if your team is being carried and not being carried by good quarterback play. Average quarterback play isn't going to be enough for the Patriots to win this game. On top of that, for New England, how are you going to game plan for Josh Allen's mobility on third down? Like the last time I remember the Bills playing the Patriots, Josh Allen had this tremendous drive in the fourth quarter and he converted on third down like twice and the Patriots had no answer for him. And I feel like his mobility is really going to be the difference for the New England Patriots defense because when you look at the Patriots defense, they have a really good secondary. Their linebackers are also really good. However, they're not really all that great against quarterbacks who are mobile and have good um, dual threat ability. So I'm looking at Josh Allen in this game and I'm looking at the problems that Josh Allen gave New England last time with his legs. I think those are going to be the same recurring problems. Now, if you're a Bills fan, what is a nightmare situation that you don't want to find yourselves at in this game? And I think that situation is probably going to be the Buffalo Bills allowing New England to dominate and control the line of scrimmage like they did in their first matchup when they only threw the ball three times and ran the ball 35 straight times at one point. So if you're a Bills fan, you're praying to God that New England isn't able to get rolling on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively up front. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm rolling with the Buffalo Bills. I like New England a lot, but I just feel like Mac Jones isn't going to play good enough in this game for the Patriots to be able to get the win. The Buffalo Bills defense has been pretty good this year, and I think that they're going to continue to give Mac Jones a lot of problems because one of his worst games of his rookie season so far has been when he has played against Buffalo. And I'm not talking about the first game when he only threw three passes. I'm talking about the second game when he had two costly turnovers. You just look at the New England Patriots, and I just kind of think that this game is a mismatch their defense is going to keep them in the game, but you don't know how good Mac Jones is going to play. And on top of that, you don't know if he's going to be able to take care of the football. And even if you are able to get the run game going, there's still going to become times and situations during this game where you're going to have to put the ball in the air. And I don't really think that the Patriots are going to be able to come through in too many of those situations. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to get the win. 31 to 20 is going to be my final score prediction in this matchup. The last game that we have to talk about, we have the 9-7-1 Pittsburgh Steelers traveling on the road to take on 
The 12 and 5 Kansas City Chiefs. This game is going to be played this Sunday, 8:15 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on NBC. The Kansas City Chiefs are a 12-point favorite going into this game. And the last time these two teams matched off, <laughs> CBS took it upon themselves, ladies and gentlemen, to do us a favor and change the game to a more competitive football game. Like, that's how bad the Chiefs were beating Pittsburgh. Like, CBS just said, you know what, let's just put another game on. It was the Raiders and Broncos playing, and me being a Steelers fan, I was just looking at the screen, I was just like, bro, I want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers, the team that I've been rooting for my whole entire life, play against Kansas City. I don't care what the score is. I want to support my team. However, CBS started differently, and put the Broncos and Raiders game on. Really upsetting. So, if you're a Steelers fan like me, you're asking yourself, okay, JT, how in God's name do we go into Arrowhead and pull off the upset against Kansas City? Well, other than praying, I think the first thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers need to do is they have to make sure that they don't allow the game to get out of hands early. If Pittsburgh is only down 10 points going into the fourth quarter, that's a victory. That's pretty much the mentality that Pittsburgh has had in certain situations this year in certain games. It kind of has been, you know, just survive, just get to the fourth quarter. So for Pittsburgh, if you can get to the fourth quarter, that's one. The next thing is going to be, can you get stops on defense? Okay, because your defense probably had its worst performance that it has had all year against the Kansas City Chiefs. And your offense didn't really do you no favors because the offense kept going three and out and, you know, playing the putt, putt, putt challenge. So your offense didn't help you out because 30 seconds right after you was just off the field, you're throwing your helmet back on, you're right back on it. So the defense of Pittsburgh should be able to get some stops in this game. However, a big difference between the Chiefs offense going into this game compared to their last matchup is the fact that Kansas City's offense was dominant without Travis Kelsey. Now Travis Kelsey plays in this game. So what is going to be the game plan for Mike Tomlin? What are going to be the adjustments that Mike Tomlin is going to make defensively? Not only to account for Tyree Kill, but to account for Travis Kelsey. Now Devin Bush has been... You know, not really all that great this year, but you know, in his prime years before his injury, he was really good in coverage and he was really good matched up against tight ends. So are you going to say, hey, Devin, we need you to step up in this game and we need you to slow down Travis Kelsey. We're not asking you to shut him down. We're just asking you to slow him down. Or are you going to put Mika on him? Are you going to match up with Mika over the top and have somebody playing underneath against them? You're going to have to find some way to slow down Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill because you cannot allow those two guys to control the game if you are a Steelers fan. And on top of that, you're going to have to find ways to get Patrick Mahomes down. You cannot allow Patrick Mahomes to get outside the pocket, create, buy time, and use his legs to keep the drive alive. So TJ Watt is going to be very big in this game. You got Cam Hayward. You're going to have to make sure that those guys get a lot of pressure up front, and that's going be pretty tough to do because Pittsburgh has one of the best pass rushers in all of the NFL. You look at Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, both those guys being pro bowlers, but you also have a couple of other nice guys who are good rotational pieces on that pass rush of Pittsburgh. However, they're going against one of the best, most talented offensive lines in all of the NFL. So I'm really intrigued in seeing who ends up winning the battle in the trenches the second go around because in the first matchup, the Browns, well, the Chiefs, dominated Pittsburgh up front in that department, and it wasn't even close. So Pittsburgh is going to have to be way better up front if they're going to look to slow down this Chiefs offense. Now, offensively, for Pittsburgh, you, you're you really just hoping that, you know, the defense can get enough stops and hope to give you good field position, rather that be a turnover or maybe you get a good 
punt return from Ray Ray McLeod, but their offense probably isn't going to do much. Points are probably going to be at a premium. And if Pittsburgh gets inside the 40, that's when their most valuable player this year, which has been outside of TJ Watt, Chris Boswell, you're going to need him to make sure that he's reliable for you once you get in the field goal range. So if you can keep the game within 10 points going into the fourth quarter, it still allows you to run your offense. You know what you get out of Pittsburgh offensively. You know that this is a team that wants to run the football with Najee, and then they were slowly but surely find a way to dink and dunk themselves into a big play, rather that be with Deontay Johnson making something happen with the ball in his hands. He's been really underrated this year. He's having a career year. You also got Pat Fryermuth, who probably has been the second best rookie tight end this year behind Kyle Pitts so you got him then you got Chase Claypool who is the big play threat on the outside who catches the 50-50 balls you need to get him more involved so for Pittsburgh you got to make sure that you're still able to run the football effectively which you were pretty good running the football against Kansas City the first go around but that's probably because Kansas City didn't put a lot of emphasis on stopping the run because you were already down by several possessions So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I got to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. And as much as it's going to pay me to pick against my Pittsburgh Steelers, knowing that this probably could be the last game of Ben Roethlisberger's career, look at Pittsburgh, man. And it's just, you just look at this game and it's kind of a mismatch. Pittsburgh's defense should keep them in this game. But I'm not really expecting all that much out of Pittsburgh's offense because we know what Pittsburgh's offense has been all year. It's been Swiss cheese. And unless this defense is able to help this offense out a lot, and I do mean a lot, they're going to need a lot of turnovers and a lot of things to go their way. I think Kansas City should win this one, and they should win it pretty handily. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win 31 Two fourteen is going to be my final score prediction for this matchup. And this is it for my NFL wildcard weekend preview and prediction for the AFC matchups. Let me know what you guys think about them down in the comment section down below. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure that you also like the video and subscribe. Check out the JT Sports Podcast. Every video that is uploaded on the YouTube channel is available in audio format on every single audio platform that you listen to your podcasts on that's where you can find the audio version of these videos at so all you gotta do is type in the jt sports podcast on any podcasting platform and it should pop up or you can go to the link down in the description and it will take you to either the apple podcast or the spotify podcast and go ahead check out the jt sports podcast from there and make sure that you leave a five-star review what is up everybody it is jt sports i am back to you guys with another episode of the jt sports podcast and on this episode i am here with my nfl wildcard predictions for the nfc matchups on the last episode i did my playoff predictions for all of the afc games now i'm doing my preview and predictions for all of the nfc matchups we have the eagles taking on the buccaneers the 49ers taking on the dallas cowboys and we got cardinals rams now if this is your first time listening to the jt sports podcast welcome i appreciate you for tuning in make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms you can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And you can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And you can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. And make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports, if you haven't already. The first game that we have to talk about, we have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday with a 4.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. This game is going to be played on CBS. The Cowboys are a three-point favorite heading into this matchup. Now, every time we preview a game talking about the Dallas Cowboys when they're in the playoffs, you always have to talk about the misconceptions and the popular narrative that a lot of people in the national media like to have when it comes to analyzing the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. 
So check me out. So I was on Instagram a couple of days ago after the Sunday games were officially finished and we knew who was going to be matching up in the playoffs. And somebody said, man, the 49ers are easily going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. And somebody said, why do you think that? And the response commented, and he said, because it's the Cowboys. They always choke in the playoffs. And please, and I'm not going to say this again. If your argument for why a football team is going to lose and not win the Super Bowl in the playoffs is because they always choke in the past, please, 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 and I beg you again, I'm going to ask one more time, please do not ever try to argue with somebody who uses that logic because you're not going to win at all because they're, they're with anybody who judges what a team is going to do in the postseason based on what they've done in the past. It means they, one, they have a tendency to listen to the national media too much. They take their opinion into consideration too much when they're analyzing these games. That's one big mistake because you don't bet money on teams based on what they've done in the past. You base your prediction based on what you think that team is going to do this year based on the performance that they have showed you you either think they're a good team or they're a bad team or they're in the middle of the pack okay you don't judge a team based on what they've done in the 90s or the 80s that doesn't really make any sense like the Dallas Cowboys are a football team they play football therefore what they do in the past has nothing to do with the outcome of this game if Dallas wins or lose this game I guarantee you the reason for it isn't going to be because they used to lose all the time in the past different coaches different players I don't really understand why people hold that against the Dallas Cowboys head like the Dallas Cowboys are a football team they play football they're not applying for a job application to be your dishwasher at your local Hardee's I don't really understand why people make their argument and their opinions based on what a team has done in the past. What Dallas has done in the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s has nothing to do with this 49ers playoff matchup this weekend. Don't understand why people judge teams based off past narratives, but it really irks me and it's really irritating because those are people that you don't want to have discussions with because they don't really use any logical analysis or any logical evidence to back their claim why they think a team is going to win. They just want to tell you because they choke all the time, relying too much on the national media for their opinion. Now, you do look at Dallas. This... Probably is the most talented team in the NFC East and probably one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And when you look at the NFC conference as a whole, everybody's going to say, man, JT, the Packers, Rams are more talented teams than the Dallas Cowboys, which I would still disagree. But I wouldn't push back on it too much. But you look at Dallas, you have Trayvon Diggs, leads the league in interceptions. He's in the running for defensive player of the year. You got Michael Parsons, who pretty much much has defensive rookie on the year on lock he's probably going to be in the running for defensive player of the year as well so you have two players on your defense who are phenomenal and are already in the running to be finalists for the defensive player of the year award then on top of that you have a pretty good defensive line your linebacker unit is one of the best in the league but the weakness of Dallas defense has probably been the secondary and not really the cornerback position at least as a whole, it's probably their second cornerback spot. The guy who lines up on the opposite side of Trayvon Diggs. They have kind of had a lot of up and down performances from their second corner on their team this season. And you look at the 49ers, they have a really good wide receiver duo of Debo Samuel, who has had a really fantastic season this year. You have Brandon Ayuk. So I'm really interested in seeing if the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are going to test the second cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys early and how is he going to respond. On top of that, we know what the San Francisco 49ers are as a football team. We know that this is a run first team. They run a West Coast 
system they want to use the run game to set up the passing game a lot of their passes are normally intermediate five to 14 yards then once they get you pushing up on the line either playing to stop the short pass or playing to stop the run that's where they like to beat you over the top utilizing play actions and that's where a lot of their big plays stem from on top of that you look at Debo Samuel he's like the Swiss Army Knight they were lining him in that slide outside receiver running back sometimes he does a lot to this offense so for the Dallas Cowboys do you have the personnel to slow down this 49ers rushing attack in this 49ers offense I think you do I think Dallas matches up really really well against the San Francisco 49ers because you have linebackers who should be able to be pretty good against the run you have a really big and physical defensive line on top of that your corners are pretty solid they don't really give up you know, they don't really have a lot of bad, bad games. You know, they will have some down games here and there, but their cornerback play has been fairly solid outside of their second corner. So overall, Dallas defensively is a really good team and they match up really well with what the 49ers do. However, it's easy to say we're going to stack the box and we're going to slow down the rain game because I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but teams are stacking the box against San Francisco more times than not throughout the year. And it doesn't really work because just because you know it's coming doesn't mean that you're going to be able to stop it. So you look at Elijah Mitchell, who has probably been the second best rookie running back in the league behind Najee Harris. He has 207 carries on the year, 963 rushing yards, five touchdowns, 4.7 yards per attempt. Now, if he would have been been able to stay fully healthy he probably would have ran for well over a thousand yards and they got a stud getting him on top of that you look at the reemergence of George Kittle George Kittle is somebody who has battled with injuries this year but when he's been on the field he's been really good so how are they going to try to slow him down on top of that you got to worry about Ayuk and Debo Sanders so honestly this game is going to come down to how well does Jimmy Garoppolo perform okay the 49ers are only going to go as far as Jimmy Garoppolo takes them when Jimmy Garoppolo plays great the 49ers Eight out of 10 times likely win the game. When Jimmy Garoppolo plays bad or he plays average, that's where the 49ers find themselves in trouble. A good example was when they lost to Tennessee not too long ago. That was a game that the 49ers had in their control, and they lost that game because Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well. And if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play well, the 49ers aren't that good of a team that can carry a bad quarterback or at least a bad quarterback performance to a win, okay? The 49ers have a really solid defense, okay? They are top 10 in points per game allowed. They are seventh against the run, and they are sixth in pass yards per game allowed. Now, a big reason why their pass defense is so good is because they have one of the best pass rushing units in the league. Now, if the 49ers aren't able to get consistent pressure on Dak Prescott, it is going to be a very long game because the 49ers cornerbacks aren't really the best. Okay, I don't want to harp on them and say that they're completely awful because they're not, but their corners are pretty much in the middle of the pack. So if Dallas gives Dak Prescott enough time to throw the football and the pass rush and Nick Bosa and company aren't able to get home, then it's going to be a long day for this 49ers secondary because this secondary is not going to be able to hang with the wide receivers of Dallas in coverage for that long. Now, with Dallas... Their red zone defense hasn't been all that great this year. However, the 49ers have the best red zone offense in the league. That's where this game potentially could be won or lost. Because I feel like for Dallas, when you get a team like San Francisco in the red zone, it's really important that you're able to hold them to only having three points. Uh, aside from allowing them to score the six points and get a touchdown on the board. Because when you have a ball control team like San Francisco, 
Francisco that likes to run the football, control the time of possession, you really hurt them when they end up taking eight minutes off the clock and they only end up with a field goal. That puts them at a disadvantage because then they used all that time on the clock. And if you go back and you score a touchdown and they keep and they can only match you with field goals, eventually you're going to end up coming up with the upper hand because they're going to end up utilizing so much time off the clock that they're not making the most out of their possessions. So when you're a team like the 49ers, yes, it is good for playing keep away. However, you have to be efficient on the majority of your drives because when you have a ball control offense, you don't really get too many drives that you can afford to go empty. So the team that I am going to take to win this game I am going to take the Dallas Cowboys. The reason why I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys isn't really because I feel like they're a better team per se. I just feel like they match up really well at certain positions that the 49ers, I don't really think are going to be able to slow down or stop. Like you look at the cornerbacks of San Francisco, if Dallas offensive line is able to give Dak Prescott enough time to throw the football downfield, which they should, okay, then I think that Dak Prescott could be in for a big performance. On top of that, I think that you look at how aggressive Dallas defense has been this year. They are number one in the league and takeaways per game. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who has kind of been a little bit reckless over the last month or so with taking care of the football, so they could get in trouble forcing a couple of Jimmy Garoppolo turnovers rather that be interceptions or strip fumbles so I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys to win this game 27 to 24 is going to be my final score prediction in this matchup we have the 9 and 8 Philadelphia Eagles taking on the 13 and 4 Tampa Bay Buccaneers this game is going to kick off 1 p.m eastern time this Sunday on Fox the Buccaneers enter this game as a nine point favorite Now, every year, there are always teams that enter the playoffs that weren't there last year that were either not really good or at the bottom of their division. And then when they get into the playoffs, we say, hmm, okay, how good is this team really? And, you know, like, what is their identity? When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, um... There weren't a lot of high expectations from people in the national media and the Philadelphia Eagles fans going into this year, okay? Like, if you would have told a Philadelphia Eagles fan that they were going to make it to the playoffs this year, a lot of them probably would have looked at you as being your casual, overly optimistic fan. But if you were to tell, you know, somebody who really likes watching the NFL and a diehard NFL fan like me that Philadelphia was going to make the playoffs, I would have been bold and say, put your money where your mouth is. How much you want to bet Philadelphia doesn't make it to the playoffs? Then you tell me a big amount. We shake on it. I think it's, I think it's an easy come up. And then next thing you know, the Philadelphia Eagles shock us all. And now they are in the situation that they're in, in the playoffs. And A lot of people probably feel like the Philadelphia Eagles right now as a franchise, their overall mood right now in the building probably is, we're just happy to be here, which... You know, they probably are. I don't really think too many in the organization expected Philadelphia to have so much success right away. But now, how do you plan on trying to win the Super Bowl? And that goes to what Philadelphia is. They have a pretty solid defense. I really feel like Darius Slay has been one of the more underrated and more of the underappreciated players on the defensive side of the football this year. You look at what he's done in coverage, he's been really good. He's forced turnovers. He had a couple of, you know, returns for touchdowns, rather that be interceptions, pick sixes, or fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Like, he has been really good for Philadelphia, and he has been a large reason why Philadelphia is in the position that they are now. And I think you probably could say that he deserves to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year however you look at him you look at the fact that this offense is the best 
running offense in the league, which is expected when you have a pretty solid group of running backs. You got Jalen Hurts there, one of the best running quarterbacks that we have in the league. But the question is, can Jalen Hurts be a true dual threat quarterback for Philadelphia in this game? Because when this offense has been at its best, the run game has been there. But when it's been at its worst, and Philadelphia has had some really bad games on offense, it's been because Jalen Hurts hasn't really been that efficient as a passer. So for Philadelphia in this game, if you're going to win, it's not going to be because of the ground game. It's going to be because of Jalen Hurts having a truly all-around dual-threat quarterback kind of performance. You know, two touchdowns through the air, two, maybe one on the ground, and probably 100 rushing yards, and probably 250 to maybe 300 some odd passing yards, because Tampa Bay's has one of the best run defenses in the league. They're third in the NFL in rushing yards per game allowed, and over the last couple of seasons, Tampa Bay hasn't really been the easiest team to have that much success running the football against and even when you go back to their last matchup when the Eagles went down to Tampa Bay in week six and lost 28-22 that was a really close game I feel like if Jalen Hurts would have you know kind of had a little bit more success on a couple of throws downfield that could have been a difference between the Buccaneers winning and losing that game and on top of that you got to also look into the fact that we know that Tampa Bay is the more talented team than Philadelphia. But however, anytime that you have a game that kind of looks like it's a mismatch from a competitive standpoint, at least talent wise, you got to ask yourself, okay, what is the weakness that Tampa Bay has that maybe Philadelphia can exploit and help keep them in this game for opportunity to win in the end? Well, that has to be the wide receiver position for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers okay we know Chris Godwin is out for the year we already know Antonio Brown recently has been released so the only reliable weapon that you have right now at the moment is Mike Evans so that Darius Slay versus Mike Evans matchup is going to be huge now I don't think that the Buccaneers need Mike Evans to carry the offense because it's Brady. We know what Brady does. Brady does what Brady is going to do. However, you don't really know which other wide receivers are going to be able to step up. Okay, you got Scotty Miller, who at one point in time, a lot of people thought was going to be, you know, Tom Brady's Temple version of Julian Edelman, Wells Welker. You got Brashard Perryman, Tyler Johnson. You also got to look at the tight ends that they have. You got Gronk. You're going to have OJ Howard, Cameron Bright there. So you're going to try to get your tight ends more involved in the passing game. So I think that with Philadelphia secondary, I think that this is a perfect opportunity that you can go in there and kind of slow down those wide receivers. And if Darius Slade can hold up, I think your secondary has a really good chance of being able to force coverage sacks because when you're playing against Tom Brady, one thing, that you are going to be good at is the fact that when it comes to getting him on the ground, it's not going to take that much work as long as you're able to get consistent pressure because he's not the most mobile guy. He is really effective when it comes to maneuvering inside the pocket footwork-wise and whatnot. But once the play breaks down with Tom Brady, the play is over. You get what I'm saying? There's not really too much he can do when it comes to extending and whatnot. He may be able to step up and buy him uh, you know, another second or point two of a second longer. But overall, if the play is over with Tom Brady, the play most likely is over so if you can get cover sacks and Darius Slay does a really good job against Mike Evans then there's an opportunity that these other wide receivers kind of could get be funneled and you could end up getting some cover sacks on Tom Brady and that's always something that everybody says you have to be able to do when you're facing the Buccaneers or you're facing Tom Brady you got to get consistent pressure on 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 them I know it sounds a little bit cliche but you know that's what has to be done if you are Philadelphia but I definitely feel like the fact that the Buccaneers are kind of, you know, thin at wide receiver when it comes to talent. That also is something that could vote in the favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, offensively, you're going to have to get some throws downfield. Your offensive line isn't bad, but at the same time, it really just depends on if Jalen Hurts can get into a rhythm 
early on in this game. I think if you're Nick Sirianni, you have to make sure that you spend the first quarter on trying to make sure that Jalen Hurts goes into the remaining two, three quarters with a lot of confidence in the passing game because you're going to need that. You are going to be able to have the run game there at times, but you can use that running game as a clutch in that game for Philadelphia. That run game isn't going to be the anchor. What is going to have to be the anchor for you is that you're going to have to be comfortable throwing the football maybe 30 to 35 times with Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts going to be able to win you a game when he's being asked to throw the ball 35, maybe 40 times in the game? We don't know, but we're really going to get the answer to that question quickly in this game. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know Tampa Bay isn't really all that great at wide receiver right now. However, even if their offense gets out to a slow start in this game, their defense should be able to keep them around enough to buy this offense of Tampa Bay time to start getting into rhythm in the passing game. Because Philadelphia's offense, we know what there are. This is a running football team. And if you ask Jalen Hurts to be a passer and beat you through the air, he hasn't really been all that efficient this year at that when he's been matched up against good teams. And you look at this Buccaneers defense right now, with Todd Bowles at defensive coordinator, I think there is a good a good time that you know that this Buccaneers defense is going to go on the stretch where Philadelphia may continue to go three and out for a whole entire quarter or two. So I think that this Buccaneers defense is going to be the main catalyst for why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game. Twenty four to ten is going to be my final score prediction for this matchup. We have the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Los Angeles Rams. This game is going to be played on Monday night with a 8.15 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on ESPN. The Rams are a four-point favorite heading into this matchup. And this is basically the finale of the trilogy. These two teams are in the same division, the NFC West. They have already played three times before. They have split split the original season series the Cardinals won the first game the Rams won the second matchup and these two teams man aren't really playing their best football I know you can look at the Rams and outside of their loss to the 49ers last week they have been on a win streak but the way they win hasn't really been all that impressive especially from the offense okay like the defense for the Rams is playing really good okay like as a matter of fact this is probably the best that the Rams defense has played so far this season under defensive coordinator Raheem Morris so their defense is playing at an elite level right now however this offense isn't really playing at the level they are or they that they used to play at the start of the year because remember when they were at their best Matthew Stafford was being really good they were connecting on all cylinders and then you know as of the last month and a half or so Matthew Stafford has kind of been a little bit more careless with the football a lot of turnovers a lot of interceptions coming from Matthew Stafford and then on top of that you look at Matthew Stafford the reason why the Rams decided to trade Jared Goff to Detroit and gave up all those additional draft picks to ship out Jared Goff in exchange for Matthew Stafford was from moments like this. And I tell people, because I just got done explaining this when I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers game, you can't tie uh, future performances to previous performances or how a team or how a player may perform in the past. Like for the Dallas Cowboys example, there were a lot of people going into this game or a lot of people who go into the playoffs every year when Dallas is in and says that the Dallas Cowboys are going to go one and done because they always choke when it matters the most. You can't really judge a team or player based on what they've done in the past. You look at Matthew Stafford, he gets criticized because there are many people who believe that Matthew Stafford can't win in the playoffs and that's not true because just because you fell like Let's say you fail a test at school. That doesn't mean you're never going to pass a test. Shit, last semester, um, my fall semester, I felt like my first five, six tests in this Spanish class I had. And then my last two, I passed. 
So just because you fell at something the first time or you keep failing at something doesn't mean that you're eventually not going to have success. Look at Matthew Stafford and all the people who like to use the whole he doesn't play good in the playoff debate. You got to look at the fact that, you know, his playoff performances haven't really been bad. And then on top of that, this is the best coaching staff that he's ever had with head coach Sean McVay. And this is the best team that he's ever had compared to any other team that he's had to work with with the Detroit Lions. So when you look at Matthew Stafford, I think that his performance isn't going to be based off what he's done in the past. It's going to be based on what he's able to produce this season so far and so far he was playing really good football at the start nearing the end hasn't really been all that great when it comes to taking care of the football you look at the Arizona Cardinals this also is a team that right now isn't playing their best football but the difference between them and the Rams is that the Cardinals were on a they they haven't really been all that great they've lost a lot of games and despite the fact that the Rams have been in a lot of close games they have still found several ways to win football games that is the sign of a good team a good team is a team that could play maybe some of the worst games or have a really bad stretch and still find ways to win games when they're not playing their best football however for the Arizona Cardinals they don't really know who they are okay and I said this a couple of times on this podcast that the identity of Arizona is not what a lot of people think that it is. A lot of people think that Arizona is this finesse football team that likes to throw the football all over you to win games. That's not really true. The identity of Arizona, at least when the Cardinals have been winning games and they've been playing their best football, has been when they've had success running the football being physical up front, and also slowing down your ability to run the football. So the Arizona Cardinals are a physical football team. When this team is able to get physical, they're able to slow down your rushing attack and force you to pass. That's when their defense is at their best. Their defense is really good and is really built to stop the pass. However, when you look at the offense, you know this offense is built to be physical. It's built to be a hard-nosed running football team. That's something that Cliff Kingsbury hasn't really been able to kind of connect the wires with because for some reason when Arizona does have small successes running the football and tight games they tend to get away from it they team they tend to get too overly reliant on Kyler Murray and that's another thing Kyler Murray hasn't really played his best football you can say well JT they don't have DeAndre Hopkins man that's nonsense like the Cardinals have won games without DeAndre Hopkins they've even won a game without both Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins okay so so like DeAndre Hopkins is not the heart and soul of this Arizona Cardinals team. As long as you have Kyler Murray back there, you should always have a chance. And that's how it has to be in this game. If Arizona is going to play and win this game and advance to the next round of the, the, the divisional round, you're going to need Kyler Murray to look like the superstar and MVP candidate that he was at the start of the year because the play out of Kyler Murray for the last month has kind of dwindled. And this is a game that he's going to have to step up and also show why why he's the franchise guy. He has to show everybody why Arizona picked him number one. Because honestly, I don't think that Arizona is going to win this game based off having a great coaching performance out of Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, like this is Cliff Kingsbury's first ever playoff game. And when you have a coach in their first ever playoff game, you always want to look at how are they when it comes to making adjustments? Because the playoffs is more than just the better team winning all the time. It's also strategy, a lot of heavily involved strategy, because then you have better coaches who are better able to game plan around their team's strengths and weaknesses, and they are better at making adjustments. Meanwhile, you look at Cliff Kingsbury, we don't really know the kind of coach that he's in, that he is when he's in the playoffs. We don't know what halftime adjustments he's going to make. We don't know what his philosophy is going to be in third down fourth down situations is he going to choose to be aggressive or is he going to choose to play it safe those are really important qualities that get exposed in the playoffs because the better the team that you face not only does that increase but also the coaching increases so if Cliff Kingsbury is going to win this game he can't allow himself to get out coached by the Rams coaching staff and he also has to make sure that Kyler Murray comes out and has a big game now I think that if Kyler Murray comes out and balls out Arizona should win this game however look at the Rams this Rams defense has been really good and you look at 
Arizona, you know what Arizona reminds me a lot of? Arizona reminds me a lot of how Pittsburgh was around this time last year. Going into the playoffs, that wild card round matchup that Pittsburgh lost to the Browns. Remember that Pittsburgh had already went on a big losing streak, but they got a big win against Indianapolis. Kind of similar to the Arizona Cardinals, okay? Like a couple of weeks ago, we picked Arizona to pull the upset off against the Dallas Cowboys. And that kind of was like when Arizona had that losing streak, then they got a big win, similar to when Pittsburgh was on that losing streak. You know, they lost to Washington, they lost to Cincinnati. Then they got a big win out of nowhere against Indianapolis to kind of stop the bleeding. But that was just for a little bit. Then the bleeding ended up coming out again. So when you look at Arizona... You look at the fact that their offense hasn't really been great and they have to rely on their defense more times than not to win games. On top of that, you know, play calling out of Cliff Kingsbury has kind of been questionable at times coming from Arizona Cardinals fans. So for Cliff Kingsbury in this game, you got to make sure that you don't get out coach and you got to make sure that you don't try to do too much. You got to make sure that you don't try to get too cute. You don't try to get too conservative. Like you got to have that right balance and can Cliff Kingsbury find the right balance in this game? I'm taking the Rams to win. You guys let me know who you guys have winning down in the comment section down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, I don't really have a lot of confidence in neither one of these teams moving forward, but the Rams were my preseason Super Bowl pick and their defense has played really good. And it's only a matter of time before their offense starts to figure things out. You look at Arizona on the other hand, you know, like, they're not like the Rams. They are a good team, but they aren't finding ways to win games when they're not playing their best football. And over the last month or so, they haven't been playing their best football. So I expect this game to be pretty tight. I expect it to be pretty moderate scoring. I feel like the first team that gets to 20 should win this game. I think that team is going to be the LA Rams. I'm going to take them to win 20. 217 is going to be my final score prediction for this game. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that every video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. So wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports Podcast on any podcasting platform that you use. It should pop up. Or you can click the links down in the description and it will take you to the Apple and Spotify podcast link. Make sure that you guys go ahead Subscribe to those, leave a five-star um, review, and also make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel for more NFL videos and content, and I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.